Welcome to Say Something Interesting, the follow-up podcast from East Lake Tri-Cities. My name is Brent. With me is my friend Lauren today, everybody. Megan is taking a much-needed vacation uh, back to Seaside, back to the same place. It's like her, she can't get away from it. Uh, and she's probably listening to this on the drive home, or I'd like to think that she is. But uh, yeah. she's gone all week. My wife and kids are watching her cats. They went over there this morning. Uh, and dug through her laundry, went through her cupboards, uh, all the kind of stuff that you do when you have a key to the house or somebody else. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm sure the cats were... <laughs> Freaked out. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's it's all good. But uh, anyways, yeah, we wish her well and, and uh, safe travels and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. it is fun to have Lauren here, everybody. If you don't know this already, Lauren is our wear love pastor here at Eastlake and has been with us for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a an attender at East like even prior to coming on staff. So it's not like, you know, you've only been here for a year. Right. Um, and she oversees Wear Love. You've also probably, you, you also know her from uh, the East Lake Band. Um, she is uh, the silhouette that usually plays guitar and sings. In the shadows. In the shadows. And uh, then she also oversees kind of our, our uh, community marketplace page as well. So you probably have multiple interactions uh, with her and uh, Lawrence, good for you to be here. Yeah, I'll Thanks do my best here. to. Uh, I thought about maybe just pretending to be Megan on this, but her laugh is too distinct. How long and- <laughs> could we go? <laughs> not very long before. <laughs> before people are like, "That's not Megan." I don't know who this is, but it's not Megan. Yeah, no, wouldn't work out no, very well. She's got a very distinct uh, personality, and I cannot fill her shoes. So, um, well, I'll do my best here, but I'm, I'm I'm sure she's having a good time. Yeah. So, did she leave on Sunday? Uh, I she think left? Saturday or Sunday, one of the two. Yeah. I, don't think, I didn't I didn't see her on Sunday, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so fun fact: uh, we have a really small, like full size, uh, full uh, full time staff. That's what I'm trying to say. Full time staff. So, uh, uh, me as kind of lead pastor person, and then. Andrew oversees operations slash all things technical, uh, and then Lauren. So it's like it's basically the three of us when we do staffing. We have a couple other part time. Mm-hmm. Megan does part time stuff, and Eric does part time stuff. But for the most part, it's the three of us. So it's a really small team, uh, and it's been fun to have someone on staff be interested in the pastoral side of the 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 job and what we're doing. Because Andrew's been on staff for a couple of years now, three years now, but you know, his his buttons technical. How do we make this computer work and why isn't the Wi-Fi working in the kids' room? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um and you know, it's not that he's uh not qualified to talk about pastoral stuff. It's just not as a, an interest to him. It doesn't it's not relatable to his work. You know, he'll talk about it because he's a, he's game for anything. Sure. But it's not like you know, what he does. And that this is what you've done. So you and I have had some fun interactions in regards to books that we've read together, um, podcasts that we listen to, and just kind of doing things from a, how do you think this relates to mm-hmm. what we're doing here at Eastlake? And one of those things recently is something that I posted about on my Instagram this morning. Uh, and I wanted to talk with you about it publicly. Um, but, uh, and so we're, we're, we usually have these conversations in like downstairs in the lobby or whatever over a book. We're going to have one of these now on this podcast okay. and like no let pressure. people <laughs> peek in on yeah. like some of the dialogue that takes place with this. But we, uh, we, we both came across a podcast that came out a few months, like a few weeks ago called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's produced by Christianity Today. The host is Mike Cosper, who uh, was a uh, church planner and is also an author of Several different books, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Mars Hill story, but it was a church over in Ballard, Seattle area that kind of grew crazy fast. Mm-hmm. Um, all during like that, those early 2000s, it was actually launched in 95, but kind of got up and going there at the end of the 90s and, and really early on in the 2000s. 
which coincides with me being over there for school from 2002 mm-hmm. uh, to 2004. And so I knew personally um, – uh, fellow students from my university who were on staff doing production. Oh, wow. One became, I think, a board member, hmm. um, and uh, and then a teaching part of the teaching team and all kinds of stuff. So um, I attended maybe maybe one or two services, okay, uh, but not a ton. Uh, Ballard is a little harder to get into uh, mm-hmm. than where we were at. Um, and also it was just a different style of kind of what we were doing, but mm-hmm. I was always very intrigued with the Mars Hill thing. Mar- so what's crazy is when I was over in Seattle, you had, um, you had city church, which is now church home in Seattle, mm-hmm. which Judah Smith, but his dad was leading at the time, but it was going nuts. It was going bonkers. Um, you had Mars Hill going bonkers mm-hmm. with that. Um, and then you had, uh, Overlake as well, which was a big church, uh, East, like in, even in Bothell, was probably like just getting started, but doing pretty well. Just a lot of crazy big megachurches. It was a weird season for big megachurch mm-hmm. in the Seattle area, and uh, yeah. It was, so this was a good pull back the curtain and see behind this. So you've got like you're a lot closer to it than I. I mean, because I never went. I my sister in law and her because you were in Alaska at the time. No, well, let's see. No, I didn't move to Alaska until 2014. Oh, okay. um, so I was in Spokane before that, going to school. Um, and, you know, kind also of. Also in high school. Also in high school. <laughs> when it was, yeah, but I remember like. We talked about that the other day <laughs> when we were at Southridge doing the church to launch it. Lauren and Andrew both were like, yeah, I was, we were in school the time when you launched yeah. this, which made me feel insanely old. But I continue. Mean, Whatever. Yeah, no. So we, I uh, was kind of didn't really come to know anything about Marcel until I was in high school and then even more so in college. Um, and I, I listened to the Marcel podcast uh, like I think I started sophomore year in college and sort of dabbled but was never – Super into it. Um, like, but, the, like Sunday podcast? Like yeah, a, okay. like the, his sermons. Um, and so that's like the extent of my exposure. And then I have a couple family members that live in Seattle that did go um, kind of when it was on the rise. But that's like it in terms of my proximity. But it sounds like you're a little bit closer. So um, and I'd be curious to know how was, the podcast is like how you're how it is li- for you listening to it. Because for me, I feel very much removed from it. But if you're... Oh, no. This feels like a blast from my past, man. Okay. I mean, I remember um, when they're talking about him launching the Axe 29 Network uh, with Rick McKinley. I remember, like when, I remember when Blue Like Jazz came out with Donald Miller and Mark was uh, the cussing pastor in the Blue Like Jazz. Mm-hmm. Like I remember reading that book being like, who's this cussing pastor? And, and him being the most intriguing character of that. I remember... Um, him writing or, or uh, coming alongside or being a part of the emerging mm-hmm. planners network. And there was a difference between and it, this was like internal knowledge. Cause this is all like when I was going to school, yeah. these are all the books that we were right. reading at this time, man. We were, I was consuming so much of this junk. Um, the difference between the emerging church and the emergent church, right? Mm-hmm. One is very progressive liberal. One was like progressive conservative. Mm-hmm. And you had until so you'd pick up, if you didn't know, you just go out and buy a, Book, a book that said emergent church and you'd read it and be like, oh, I'm supposed to have candles in my service. And then, oh, I'm supposed to be incredibly reformed with all five points of the Calvinism tulip thing and everything mm-hmm. else. So it was very much uh, like this is this is taking me back to like college, like a decade. It's a throwback. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a really, really interesting podcast if you're at all interested in like 
church culture um, in America or how uh, kind of one of the big names, Mark Driscoll, um, is, was the head of that church. And so it's truly the rise and fall. Um, if you're interested in any, any of that, it's, uh, it's a really, really good listen. It's the story of a church went from a church plant in 1995 to over 15 campuses, uh, with a massive one in Bellevue mm-hmm. The massive was huge Ballard, uh, running over 15,000 people. I mean, literally one of the top Five, probably 25 churches in America yeah. in one of the most unchurched cities in America. Mm-hmm. Like that was their big thing. Like, that was the big, that, that, that was, was it. The big yeah. thing, right? Yeah. That was, that was the big message. And yeah. um, what's engaging about this piece is it's not a hit piece on Driscoll per se. No, um, I would agree with that. If I'm, if I'm Mark Driscoll, I probably feel like it is. Yes. Uh, or if I'm a big fan of him, I probably think it is, but I do think, what they're trying to explore is um, how, how what what do we have let's like let's take a look at the um, the mega church movement and why are so many of these exploding blowing up and doing this now we can't do it generally let's look at one specifically and figure out why mm-hmm. you know what's what's behind this is mm-hmm. it just a, a young charismatic leader is it is there is there something what's missing from this? Why do we keep going down this road? And when I say keep going down this road, you know, if you're not really into like the church world, then maybe you're just like, I just, you know, I go to East Lake or I go to somewhere else and I'm, I'm fine and I don't understand. But what you've seen in the, in the past, whether you want to talk about good grief, uh, Willow Creek, mm-hmm. uh, Menlo Park, uh, um, uh, not, not yeah, well, kind of in anyways, like a lot of churches go crazy nuts and, and everybody's attracted to them and then something happens and then it, it, it jades people's perspective. And what role do we play as participants exactly. in it? Like, and that's, what are we doing wrong? That's where I think the value of this podcast really comes into play. Yeah. Um, because there's no question that Mark was a dynamic leader. And mm-hmm. I don't mean dynamic in necessarily a positive, like, oh, that show is dynamic. Yeah. I mean, you either really liked him or you didn't like him. Yes. There was no in between. And the people who really liked him really liked him. And he was a fantastic leader, qualified that fan, quote, quote unquote, fantastic leader. You can't gross an organization that fast and that big without having leadership qualities and leadership abilities. I mean, um, I even posted on my Instagram, I, um, I watched, was close, and ad- admired some of Mark's qualities from afar. And we've I've had a few responses of it of um, of people just going, "Yes, I went to the service and felt like the misogyny just dripping from you know the whole thing, and I wanted to leave immediately." And I wanted to be like, "Yes, that's absolutely true." I, I get hindsight's twenty twenty. Though. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Like that's yeah. part of it because like. And that's what they're talking about in the podcast, which is so interesting because they'll interview people that were like heavily involved yeah. and they are now on the outside of this and looking back and just trying to understand, you know, it's like, I mean, for lack of, I don't want to say it's a cult, but it's like when you look back at someone who was in a cult, it's like no one just signs up to be in a cult. It's like you don't sign up for this thing that in hindsight is so apparent. What took place gradually to attract so many people and immerse them in this and grow in that way. And yes, he was a good leader. And I think that's part of the debate is, is it a leader? Is a leader the right term for someone 
in yeah. that at the head of a church. Immediately when you said that, I wanted to say, no, he was charismatic mm-hmm. and he had incredible char- charisma. Yeah. And he had lots of followers. Was he a great leader? You can see how he couldn't even manage some of his own core team. And when anybody would offer dissent, he would just fire them and move on. Yeah. So does that make him a good leader? No, not from what we would say long-term leadership. So, so, so even that's the wrong mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. probably. And I'm not disparaging for using that. That's what we, that's what we would do. But that's the problem. Yeah. Like we would say, oh, man, um, what a, he was a, a great pastor. Well, he, was he? Was I mean, he? That's uh, the question. How, <laughs> yeah. This is the hard part, man. And how do you how do you straddle that leadership versus pastoral role? Why? I mean, I think the big question they're asking too is why is the success why do we measure success in churches based on number of people? And is that an effective way? And that other I can't remember what they said and I wish I had written it down now, but they talked about how the character the character and charisma piece. Do you know what I'm saying? How the the charisma outweighed the character, or Absolutely. or preceded that's, the character development. I'm which telling is telling you that's been my prayer this entire podcast. Every time I turn this thing off in the car, I'm like, God, may my charisma never outweigh and outgrow my character. Because yeah. when it does, you you just don't know it externally. The numbers are great. More people are coming. The budget's fine. Everything's good. Decisions are great. Staff are great. And you just then you get into this mode and this model where it's just keep the, the plates turning and keep it, keep the wheels turning. And it's just, it's out of your hands, out of, you know, yeah, quickly. man. And yeah. it gets tough. It's yeah. so bad. It's so bad in the church world. It just is even harder because you can spiritualize it and make it about, you know, ministry and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Super yeah. interesting. Uh, and they articulate all that stuff much better than I'm doing now. But. There are three, ep- there are three episodes in, and mm-hmm. I just finished the third one on the drive back from lunch here. And in this one, um, one of the guys who was on staff at the time heard Mark at a conference get into a little spat with one of the um, conference attendees about something. And just he, he was like, they begin to talk about that was been that was the start of sort of the switch that I noticed or that we noticed about him becoming more defensive, more combative towards other people, more um, exclusionary, more... Um, you know, all for him in the name of trying to protect uh, against heresy and protect the, you know, the whatever. Um, but uh, that was, uh, again, and, and then he and then he said, so he, he'd go to these conferences, he'd t- attack the stuff about the conference, and they'd go out for beers afterwards and talk about it. And you're like, I get it, man. I, how many times have we been to a conference? You're like, this just isn't real. This is just fake. Or this is just not, mm-hmm. like... There was something there is I could see something rewarding in him being combative against that because there's something combative when I watch that against that. Now, I may not have the type of personality to say something about (laughs) that, but I'm probably definitely thinking of it in my mind. And when I see something doing it, sometimes it's like that whole thing that people had with like, well, the reason I love Trump is because he says what everybody's thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I think the reason a lot of people like Driscoll is because he was saying what everybody was somewhat thinking and then, you know. It snowballs. It snowballs. Yeah. And then, yeah, it definitely gets out of, out of hand. But in that, in that moment, it's easy to understand why they like that. In that yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and then the way that it all kind of went down. I know that's probably coming up in later episodes. Do you know how many they're doing? How episodes. Many? I don't Total? know how many I don't either. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. This could go on forever. But um, the way that Mars Hill ended up with literally almost like – a shutdown 
they didn't try and keep up something going. Like mm-hmm. if something happens typically in a church, like take a Willow Creek model, for example, yeah, um, they're going to bring in some guy after Bill Hybels, right? Mm-hmm. Who is basically, he knows it. We all know it. He's the sacrificial lamb. Like there's no way this guy's going to fill those shoes or do this. Right. And, and it never, and it didn't work and it doesn't, and it never works. Then Bill has to come back and try and solve and, you know, fix things. And then yeah, the other stuff comes out, mm-hmm. all kinds of junk. But, um, what I mean to say is that, like, these transition periods after this, the crazy thing about Mars Hill, it'd be like it'd be like a, a big company, name a big company that you know, um, Xerox, uh, McDonald's, mm-hmm. or whatever, and then all of a sudden, um, things, uh, we had some problems with our founder, and uh, there is going to be no more Papa John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all going to close. No more Big Macs. No it's more. over. <laughs> like, Papa John's had that big episode, like, a few years ago, yeah. right, where they came out. Yeah. And it wasn't like any of us go, God, what's going to happen to all those Papa John's stores? Like, we all go, <laughs> somebody's taking over Papa John's. Those are still going to run. They're like, still going to make pizza. They're still going to make pizza. It's just yeah. not going to be whatever. His name wasn't Papa even John, John anyways. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, like, he's not going to be a part of it. Yeah. Papa got fired. Yeah. But they're still going to function. That was the crazy thing about Mars Hill. They were like, Mark's we're gone. Out. All right. Everybody, next week's the last week. And we're going to, some of them are going to launch autonomous church plants. I don't even know if any of them are still going. No, yeah. Uh, but the influence is completely lost. It was gargantuanly yeah. like, uh, the f- like a fireworks finale mm-hmm. where it's like fireworks for 20 minutes straight and then absolutely nothing. And you just pack up your blanket and go home. <laughs> it right. was so weird. Yeah. Yeah, and Acts 29 is still a thing, but, like, but the, the church He itself, disassociated from that. Yeah, he did. Um, quite a while before all of this went down. Yeah. 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 But it's, uh, I love it. I, I'm super intrigued in church world stuff anyways. And I'm also, like, uh, like uniquely fed up with most of how things work. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Mars Hill was different is intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, to talk about it and why it failed, I think also then helps inform me about what we need to be careful of or I need to be careful of, both in leadership, but then also. So I'm going to be forwarding this podcast on to all of our board <laughs> members to be like, hey, when this is done, you need to like listen to this and be a part of it. So Yeah. No, I think we're we're a healthy amount of... of uh, I use critical in the technical sense of we have these conversations because we want to be informed and we want to um, do the best job that we can at what we, we think we're trying to do. And um, so I think we've got a healthy level of, of awareness about this stuff. I mean, knock on wood, but I know, I think that, but then I also go, that's exactly what the people inside Marshall thought. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, So this is turning into a podcast about a podcast, um, and that's not the goal of this podcast, but uh, that that is kind of fun. And instead of talking about what we did this last weekend, I figured that that might be a fruitful use of our time. So check it out uh, wherever you get your podcast. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, put on by Christianity Today, Mike Cosper. Uh, You'll find it. It's like black and gold, like their old logo. So. Mm Um, all right, let's jump into our message. We had a, a, a fun series that we just concluded on Sunday. We did uh, f- week four of About That, a series on sexual ethics. Uh, we looked at Paul's uh, writing uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter five and really kind of brought this whole thing to a close and um, went into the uh, stuff that Paul talks about in terms of, uh, oh man, uh how do we manage our sexuality in such a way that is, like we said last week, holy and uh, and honorable? And 
speaking into a culture, again, that doesn't take it seriously. And Paul is, is trying to say, listen, there's not going to be even a hint of sexual morality. There's not going to be a hint of this. He connects it to idolatry, which I think is a huge mm-hmm. deal because we never tend to connect. We, we Idolatry is separate from sexual immorality for us. It's separate from greed. We don't think of idol, you know, greed, uh, objects of our greed as idols, typically. Um, and yet he does that. And then I, I love that he links that with sexual morality. He brings sexual immorality down in terms of it's not to be like that's the worst sin of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's like he just kind of communicates in, in line with that. Uh, and then at the end, I thought one of the most helpful things for me as a part of the series and a part of my research was um, the idea of um, the discovering the will of God, walking wisely, just mm-hmm. trying to discern what God wants. And I went into the keys of the kingdom piece that shows up on Caesarea, Mount of Caesarea Philippi um, and what is included in pornea and what is not included in there. Cause that's, that's pretty messy guys. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, that's, there's a lot to go in there. So um, what was something that jumped out to you specifically that we can kind of bounce on back and forth on? Yeah, I, um, well, I agree mostly with the things that you said that were most important. I think the idolatry piece was huge. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's two sides to that coin of idolatry because, um, yes, our, the greed piece tying that into sexuality is, is huge. What are our motivations for our behaviors instead of focusing on the actual behaviors themselves? But then also the other side of that being how has the church used kind of idolized this prioritization of sexual immorality for so long totally. like yeah. that's the irony in the whole thing is yeah. like yeah this is your idol of like this is the worst thing and so i think ah, that's knocking that down a few, irony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 knocking that down a few pegs and and being like yeah we should care about this this is something that matters but like it's it's a response it, our behavior should be a response to what we know Christ has done for us. It's not. And how slippery that line is between like, and that applies to everything, not just sexuality. It's like, you know, we, we act in a certain way because of, of what Christ has done for us for the grace that he's shown us. Um, not because acting a certain way will allow us to achieve that grace. Um, so that part was really good. And then just the fruit, Again, not applies to everything, not just sexuality, but um, there's a lot of gray area. Like it's not as black and white as I think many people in the church would like to paint it as. And so being wise and discerning in how we go about our lives from a sexual standpoint and in any area of our life, is it bearing good fruit? Um, That's the sign of the spirit at work in us. And it applies to every arena of life, including sexuality, especially sexuality. So um, those were the two two big ones for me. Yeah, I think if you want to uh, figure out where idolatry is showing up in your life, the con- the phrase that I walked away and I thought, gosh, that's so good. I wish I would have thought of that on Saturday night instead of Sunday night. Um, is where are you exercising creative accounting? Um, because when when i what i mean by creative accounting is again that idea of i need that so bad i got i'll figure out a way to get this mm-hmm. um i'm going to buy it and then i'll pay for it later or i'll move some things around or i'll i usually have some standards but in this area i'm willing to fudge and to make it work uh fudge the numbers a little bit and and make this thing happen um 
we do that uh, a lot of times in greed and that's it's very kind of obvious in greed because it, it has to do with money and money is very um tangible mm-hmm. it's either there or it's not there right um and i think paul is trying to say we do this though sexually too we have creative accounting when it's when it beca- when it comes to sexual fulfillment of saying um i think i need this i'll figure out a way to get this and even if it's uh, even if I have a conscience thing in my life, in my mind or brain or, or spirit conscious or whatever that says this is wrong, I'll figure out a way for me to convince myself that it's right and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do this. And, and he's like, that's just idolatry. And, you know, you don't think of it in terms of that way, but creative accounting, you know, think of all the, think of all the men, women who's have destroyed marriages <laughs> because they thought I can work around this. I'll figure this out. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I can have this thing on the side and as long as it doesn't affect home life, it'll be okay or whatever. It's just dumb stuff. And you're like, you're creating, you're, you're exercising creative accountability. That's, that's going to be idolatry. It's going to end up there. The fruit piece is great. Um, I think uh, the most helpful piece for me has been that third part though, of the idea of the keys to the kingdom mm-hmm. of, of this. I read um, a book recently. If you, if you follow Gary Lau on Instagram, you've probably seen it three times. Like I let him borrow the book and he's posted it about him reading it three times. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> little, oh, really? Yeah. I don't a know. little dig Gary, but uh, it's, it's like uh, sexual ethics in the, in the Jewish literature. I don't blah, 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 something like that. There's an uh, author called, his name is William Loader, who is kind of an expert on this kind of stuff. And, and specifically ancient, not just like new Testament stuff, but uh, old Testament, new Testament, uh, extra biblical letters, the, the pseudepigrapha, the apocrypha, anything that was written during that time about sexuality, what was the general climate of sexuality and how is it addressed and what's the perception of it? Mm-hmm. Anyways, in it, he writes about how Paul had some very, what we would call conservative or um, limited viewpoints on sexuality. And not the ones that I talked about on Sunday. I think those were kind of general, but he gets into kind of some nitty gritty details in First Corinthians sometimes. Um, and and this guy Bill Loader would say that you have to discern what is like what is his interpretation mm-hmm. of this, and do you have the freedom to be able to say I disagree with Paul on this? Because mm-hmm. I think my issue has been, and we'll just take the area of. Um, homosexuality uh, or whatever uh, LGBT issues within like there's all kinds of books on what does this verse say what does that verse not say that kind of thing and I think that some issues for me has has come up with did Paul really say this or did he not say this well mm-hmm. what he could have meant by this was this and Bill would say that's no I mean that's probably not what he meant though let's take the most common assumption I think he was somewhat against it, but you have to decide, am I going to be, is mm-hmm. that, am I okay with being like, maybe Paul didn't know everything. Like, you maybe know what Paul I mean? Paul was wrong. Paul was not Jesus. Yeah. Right. Uh, Paul is writing from his perspective on this. Now, if you have a hardcore, it's good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me sort of mentality. It's going to be hard to get there, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're, you're going to be challenging Holy scripture and all scriptures, God breathed and useful for, you know, Bible second Timothy three sixteen. We all know the verse, right. And uh, it's inerrant. It's, you know, infallible. It's blah, blah, blah. Um, where I, I think a legit constructive approach to it would be, here's what Paul said. Now I can disagree with him or I can agree with him, but those that's too, that's different than trying to kind of like weave our way in about, well, this was more about this and this is mm-hmm. less about this either on, on either side. It's on better than trying to thing. manipulate don't, scripture. Don't manipulate it, but yeah. let's use it for what it was. This was 
the early church trying to make sense at their point, we feel like this is a, a, um, a useful resource for the church for ever, for the next generations. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't ordained Holy scripture. There were Christians before the Bible existed, everybody, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the thing that Andy Stanley keeps coming back to. The early church did not sit around in a small group and study the Bible. There was no Te Biblia. That didn't come around for 400 years. The church somehow figured out how to thrive and exist without that. That doesn't mean to dismiss or demean Holy Scripture. Please don't think that I'm taking it that way. I'm just saying that has been a part of the interpretation of the church for a really long time, and you have to kind of wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with that? So that part for me was really like, okay, this is good. I can— I can. I'm trying to preach and talk about what is doctrinally there in terms of um, Paul's writing that I think we can all get behind. Like I really do genuinely think um, that when we use our sexuality to hurt someone, mm-hmm. when we when we when we leverage it, when they're an instrument to for us to push a couple of buttons to get what we want, and we can walk away with zero commitment whatsoever. That's hurtful. That's not engaging. That's not what sex is about. That's demeaning mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, not biblical, not with the Christ way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so anyways. Well, yeah, and I think the other big piece, which, again, will always require discernment, that often gets lost in this is that, yeah, sex is a great thing. Like, it, it's it's always been this thing where it's like, we got to deal with this, you know, and, and figure out how to, how to come at this from the right angle as a church. And it's like, first and foremost, it is a good right. thing. It is great. And it should be done. Like we're not supposed to avoid this, but yeah, we got to be careful and we should yeah. tread carefully and in wisdom and we're going to screw up. We will, but you know, it's about, it's about trying to, to decipher what is God's, God's goal for us in this. And by the same token, Paul would say, let's remind ourselves that's not the best thing either, right? right. Like this yes, thing, let's fair. not build yeah. this up and be like, this is what it means to be Don't human. give it more weight than, yeah, yeah, it's a balancing act. Yeah, because yeah. what message then do I have to somebody who is going to be celibate or wants to be celibate or mm-hmm. anything like that? Paul would say, you're in the cool, best spot dude. possible. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you have <laughs> more time club. and focus than anybody yeah. else, right? Yeah. yeah. The rest of us are are sub- hung up it's on, right? one more passion we <laughs> yes. have the risk of being subject to and, and making dumb decisions in light of this so mm-hmm. kudos to you so anyways yeah and there's a lot of bad fruit that hangs on the the overemphasis so yes, yeah. absolutely good all right well that uh wraps up our series it was a very fun series it was one that uh for about a month and a half i kept pushing back on the uh calendar of teaching and you and Andrew and Eric all kept going like, hey, man, when are you doing this series on sex? Like, we're very intrigued. Uh, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? So, uh, yeah. And, and I also asked, um, I, I said a while back, Lauren, we need to get you back on the speaking calendar one more time. And you're like, let's wait till after the sex series. <laughs> so we're doing it right after the sex series. You're on. You're That's on this right. weekend. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to try my try my best. To I meant to follow at this. And yeah. I meant to at the end of the service on Sunday, I was wearing my wear love shirt on Sunday when I preached and I was going to stand up and be like, Hey, you've probably seen this logo or this messaging around either on t-shirts or water bottles or on the door around the corner. If you want to come and hear about what it's all about, come next week and hear from our love pastor. Cause that's what you're going to talking about this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's the plan. So, um, you haven't seen my notes yet, but yeah, that is the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just based on what you told me earlier, that's what it is. So yeah, yeah it's exciting. Um, it's been, uh, since March, you did this also and spoke for me in March. Yeah. That was the last single service 
uh, model. Like oh, we just did one ten o'clock. One ten o'clock, and then after that, we went back done. to two. Yeah, so that was the last time I haven't spoken at, at, at on a Sunday at East Lake. Um, was that it? Yeah, that was okay. it. So yeah. I get to You're a week overdue. off this week. So yeah. I'm super excited. So yeah. this week is you. Next week we're gonna have uh, we filmed a video with our friend Dave. Um, so next couple of weeks, um, you can kind of check some of those out and, uh, yeah, I'm super pumped to have you be a part of it. All right, let's jump into our something interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the part of the episode where we talk about something interesting that we've come across. Whether- something else interesting because the whole podcast has been super interesting. Good. Let's do that. Let's, <laughs> I like that. Let's build on that. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. I can go first. Mine is, I figured I would st- stay with my theme because, uh, Every time I've done this podcast a handful of times, it's almost always been about food. So I figured I should just, you know, stick with it. Um, So, yeah, my something interesting is that there are two new Oreo flavors coming out. Interesting. One is apparently already out since it's July. um, But that one is the salted caramel brownie Oreo. And that entails... One layer of caramel cream, one layer of brownie cream, and then the big twist with this one is that they are putting salt on top of the cookie. And it's apparently the first uh, Oreo to ever have a topping. Oh, on top of the cookie. On top of the cookie. Interesting. And that's supposed to be out in July. That's not true. They've done those fudge-covered ones forever. Well, is that a topping or a coating? I don't know. Here's what I know they are caloric they're actually way better than normal oreos uh way better and like they only come in a package of about 12 yeah it's really bad because that's uh your whole entire week's worth of carbohydrates they are ridiculous well and if you want to well the thins the thins that are dipped those are even better i'm not i don't like the cream what's the difference there i guess well no it's just they're oreos but they have less filling yeah which is is right up my alley because i don't I don't really care for the the middle part. Ugh. And I think I've talked about that on the podcast Blast too. Me. I don't even love Oreos that much. That's but funny. And you're talking That's about what it. I know. Yeah. So that's the first flavor, salted caramel brownie. The second one is uh, apple cider donut. And this one's coming out in August, apparently. Um, and so it's apple cider flavored filling with golden Oreo cookies on the outside. So limited edition, buy them all you I can. Guess. All yeah. I can think of is that I won't video buy either that we showed <laughs> pre-service. Did you see that one? This last week? No, this was like a month ago, maybe. The Oreo CEO. It's the guy from collegehumor.com. Oh, mm, I don't know if I saw it. No, uh, you should do that. So Google, I think it's College Humor, Oreo, okay. CEO. Uh, we fi- Just so you know, we occasionally filter for language for Sunday morning. So all of our clips are like maybe pg-13 maybe i mean like some of them times they sneak through and kylie's like that's definitely the week that her grandma shows up to church um but uh so i cannot vouch for the whole thing like maybe watch it with headphones on or something like that but uh it is very funny he did a great job with i'll be sure not to send you trying to be like wait why are we making this why are we not just making oreos yeah everybody loves oreos why do we need salted caramel with salt on it it really is insane how many how many uh, flavors they have now out of control. Okay. Um, So mine has to do with CryptoPunks. Are you familiar at all with CryptoPunks? Mildly. Don't ask me what I know, though. Okay. All right. (laughs) I won't. Throw you under the bus. Yeah. Nope, that's not it at all. I knew you were about to, though, weren't you? (laughs) Maybe. So tell me, Lauren, what you It just depends. Did I see fear in your eyes? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. 
So CryptoPunks is one of the earliest NFTs, non-fungible tokens that you could kind of, they, they kind of uh, were early to the market on this. They call, there's one person that's quoted this that as the alpha and omega of NFTs. So that's big coming from this. But there's a group of software developers from uh, a company called Larva Labs uh, that developed a system that could create these little AVIs um, that people use for their Twitter handles. I'm showing you one. Oh, right okay. Now. Yeah. And you've seen them. They're usually in circles and they're like eight bit. They look like, like old Nintendo AVIs that people then use as their like Twitter handle bio photos or Instagram photos. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, then you, you buy them and they, they're all like all punks, like based on like this, uh, what like London, mid-century London kind of punk rock scene in the Mm -hmm. eighties or whatever. Um, that I say mid-century it's, but it's the eighties anyways. (laughs) Um, and, uh, they made 10,000 of them and they did a randomizing software so that like they didn't create these, a computer made these and they're set in stone and there's only 10,000 of them and there will only be Mm 10,000 of them. Now, could they create another set and do something similar? Sure. But of these crypto punks, there's 10,000 of them. They're all numbered uh, in each way and they all have, um, certain characteristics. So when you buy a crypto punk, um, you'll, it'll say like there are 400 CryptoPunks that have sunglasses. Yours has a sunglass. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have mohawks. Some of them have, have earrings. Some of them have hoodies. You'll get a certain number of each one of this. And so when they created it, they kept a thousand for themselves. They begin giving the other 9,000 away. Um, of these things. They got popular. They begin to be sold back and forth or developed a marketplace for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that some, many of them are selling for multiple thousands of dollars uh, at a time just for the right to be able to own. And again, anybody, anybody, you right now could take a picture of this screenshot of an, of one of these punk, mm-hmm. crypto punks and use it as your Twitter AVI handle. Now, you wouldn't technically own it, but who even knows who? I mean, I know you can figure out who owns it, but they own it, supposedly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this NBA Top Shot thing that was mm-hmm. kind of big big a while ago. But yeah. uh, the reason it came up this week is because uh, they just did a massive auction uh, for a set of nine super rare CryptoPunks, meaning they had characteristics Uh-oh. that most other people uh, didn't. And How much was, did you spend, Brent? No, I oh, <laughs> please. The bundle, the NFT bundle of nine of them, super rare, went for $17 million. <gasps> million. That's M with an M. Oh, man. Million with an M. Actually, 16.9. I, I bumped it up. Wow. My apologies for the last 100000 to be. I want to be accurate in this thing. $16.9 million for nine CryptoPunks, which is basically just a picture that you and I could own. It's it's wild. It's crazy. That's... It's it's uh, it's it's a weird, obscene. crazy deal. Um, <laughs> now, they are trying... I don't know. I, I listened to a podcast this week over the weekend uh, from a guy who's in this NFT space and talks highly about these, owns three of them himself, and is making like this, uh, I don't know, working with somebody who creates Marvel comics to create a comic book with these NFT characters that kind of develops the branding of these and goes on. And maybe maybe someday we'll know exactly what 1049, the CryptoPunk uh, 1049 exactly is. Oh, man. As of right now, uh, I couldn't tell you. Man. Even that's... if you owned one, would you use it as your AVI? No. What is your AVI? Well, right actually, now? no. I, I would if I own one because I wouldn't spend anything like that and then not right. show it off. Totally. Um, What's mine your, yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. It's just a picture of me. Like, see, I thought yours was like a sunset or something like that. No. Is it your no. dog, maybe? It might have been my dog before. You're semi active on Twitter. Yeah, I've tried to you scale retweet it back a, lot. a yeah. little bit. Less, less, than, <laughs> but, less than used to. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I'm pulling it up right now. I want. I want to know what it is. It's just me. <laughs> it's 
It's just a boring picture, I think. Aren't you? You're not. I'm typing in Grogu mommy, but that's that is me. <laughs> no, but but your it's actual Twitter handle name L-O is something like Curran, which is my maiden name. But my yeah, my, my handle is, right now is Grogu mommy. I need a new hand. I need. Oh, it a new is one. you. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Okay, never mind. I thought it was something else. Follow me on Twitter, everyone. Yeah. Uh, L-O Curran. C-U-R-R-A-N. Um, mine is uh, our old Wear Love logo yeah, that I yeah. have not updated from the new one because it doesn't fit as well. Oh. I've tried a few times and I'm like, it doesn't look That's as good. That's true with the length on it. It's a little. And I've said this before in this podcast, I think, but um, I keep it that AVI because there have been times where I've wanted to say something on Twitter. And then I think if I didn't know me and then... I saw my logo that said wear love and I'm spouting off this about somebody or something or some opinion or whatever. It'd be like, wow, really wearing love there, aren't you? You know, it'd be funnier though, is if your actual name on Twitter was wear love, because then every time you liked something that you shouldn't probably like publicly, it would say wear love like this. Or I mean, that's what people do when they're trying to be petty is they change their Twitter name to something that when you like their stuff, it just looks silly. Yeah. Very creative. There you go. All right. So there you go. You can follow us uh, uh, on the Twitters, <laughs> I guess, if you want to. Yeah. I'm just at Brent Johnson. Really easy. Yeah. Johnson with an E. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Make sure to be a part of our Sunday morning experience. Uh, Lauren's speaking this weekend, as we've mentioned, 9 o'clock uh, in person or 10 o'clock in person, 10 o'clock online uh, on the live stream at eastlaketricities.com. Uh, or down, better yet, download the app and you can access all of those things. Or you can access this week's podcast that, or, uh, or talk that we just just talked about uh, as well. So blah, blah, blah. I'm stumbling over my words. We've been on this for way too long. We miss you, Megan. Get back here, Megan. We're going 40 minutes. Yeah, well. That's it. Have a good week, guys. Bye. See ya.